If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 544. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Why are you there? Give me that email address. I'll give you that free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook, the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. Always free to enroll. Get that free class when you do enroll. Ten myths of American history. And you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. You get great coupons. Black Friday is already happening at McClanahan Academy. If you're on the email list, you're getting it. And that Black Friday deal will end at the end of November. And this will be the last time you're going to get this kind of deal. I'm never going to offer it this low again. So... You want to be at McClanahan Academy. You want to pick up these courses. You keep this podcast free of charge. You keep it going by buying McClanahan Academy courses. You can also click on that support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way. You can go to anchor.fm. Do that as well. Get your book played at brianmcclanahan.com. Get one of my books. I've got a number of books. I mean, I think it's nine now. So um, Jefferson, uh, the Jeffersonian tradition, Southern scribblings are my latest two, but I mean, so many, so much good stuff out there. Go out and get those books and then get a book plate. Also click on the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. As always, share the podcast around on social media, rate it wherever you get your podcasts, let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally, and send me those show requests. We are going to have a listener generated episode this week. It'll be tomorrow, but I want to talk about, um, a, an interesting open letter to save democracy that came from the neoconservatives in October. Um, and it's a very short letter. It was published at the Bulwark and at the New Republic. And I, w- I want to focus on a couple of things. We talked about elections yesterday. We talked about the 2020, the November 2nd election, Virginia, on Monday. So you're here on Wednesday talking about this, this open letter from the Bulwark. I want to talk about this because there are so, there's so much there's so much meat in this very short letter that's just stupid, and this is this is what the neoconservatives. Astro- I mean, now the Straussians don't like to be called neoconservatives, but you know what? They all come essentially from the same place. It's just that the Straussians want to stop, right? I mean, this is and there was a, there was a political cartoon at the American Spectator where they had um, Virginia as a red light, right? So it's stop. The problem with all of that is who gets to decide when the red light goes on? Is it the progressives? Is it the is it the Straussians? Who gets to decide? And the same thing can be said for equality. Who gets to decide what when you say that you know all men are created equal? Who gets to decide where that stops? Who gets to decide where equality or equity stops? And this is the term now being used, equity. Who gets to decide these things? Is it the left? Is it the right? Who gets to decide what's democratic and not? Who gets to say, well, this is too restrictive in voting and this is not restrictive enough? Who gets to say these things? If we say voter ID is fine, and most Americans think voter ID is fine, but it's going to be called all kinds of nasty names, 
Well, it's just simply just the majority then. So this, these are all very important questions. And this open letter in defense of democracy was, of course, signed by Bill Kristol, who is the founder of the Bulwark. I mean, Bill Kristol has had all kinds of failings in the last couple of years. Nobody really pays attention to Bill Kristol anymore. Neoconservatism has been completely repudiated, except if you're a Democrat. And we saw this with uh, this staged uh, thing with the tiki torches at the at the Youngkin, Youngkin campaign. I um, mean, it's just stupid, right? And of course, that was the Lincoln Project. I mean, Lincoln, yeah, right. Lincoln is the problem of everything, right? This is it's actually beautiful that the neoconservatives are using Lincoln because that's true. I mean, L- Lincoln is the problem. It's true. This is great that they use him. I know it can, oh, you're, 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 you're bristle at that. Oh, you can't use Lincoln. You can't use Lincoln as your guy because he, he would be one of us. No, he wouldn't. Lincoln was a 19th century liberal. You see, what the neoconservatives want to do is conserve 19th century liberalism. It's what they want to do. It's what the Democrats want to do. It's what the proposition nation is all about. The Straussians don't really realize they're feeding into it, but they are. The 1776 commission report is just... Lincolnian, 19th century, left-wing stupidity. That's all it is. So I want to read this letter. It's not long at all. And it's signed by all kinds of people. Uh, A couple of professors, and then Crystal. And then a whole bunch of other professors and other things. So, first... They say, we are writers, academics, and political activists who have long disagreed about many things. Not really. (laughs) They don't disagree about many things. (laughs) That's a laugh. These people don't disagree about many things. They agree about most things. Number one, they agree about the proposition nation. And they show it. Some of us are Democrats and others Republicans. Some identify with the left, some with the right, and some with neither. We have disagreed in the past, and we hope to be able to disagree productively for years to come because we believe in the pluralism that is the heart of democracy. See, this is the funny thing about democracy. It's not really about pluralism. It's about winning. Calhoun pointed this out. It's about winning. It's about winning elections. It's about power. Your side, you want your side to be in power. It's not about, well... Democracy is not about, ah, you know, the other side, yeah, good job. It's only a good job when they lose. You know, good job, guys. You're really hanging in there. This is what the Republicans were for years. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe next year, maybe next time you'll get them while the Democrats are simply steamrolling them all the time. Maybe next time. What the Democrats don't like is when they lose and the Republicans are condescending and point out their stupidity and everything else. Or, you know, this is this is what people hate about Trump. He rubbed it in their nose. They couldn't stand it. That's why they, they did everything they could to get rid of the guy. They couldn't stand it. The whole idea of owning the libs comes out of the fact that people have gotten tired of being patted on the back and saying, we'll get them next year. They don't want to get them next year. And they don't really want pluralism. Democracy is not about pluralism. It's about victory. It's about winning. And you want to win. So if you're going to win, you're going to have to beat the other side. 
And to beat the other side, that means there's going to be a loser. And the Democrats, those on the left, they don't want to be the losers. So what do they do? They talk about things like pluralism and fairness and all these things. Fair. It's fair. It's got to be fair. Because you see, fair is a code word for we can't win otherwise, so make it fair. We can't win, so make it fair. We know it's fair to have the courts legislate from the bench. That's fair because we can't win these things at the state and local level, so it's fair to do that. Fairness, equity, is about let us have a victory. Give us a trophy. Give us a participation trophy. And then eventually, though, that turns into victory. The Republicans haven't figured out yet that, or the, those on the right, that when you win, you got to win, right? And, I mean, if, if you're going to win, you have to beat the other side, and you can't let them up when you beat them. What the Democrats do, this is what the Democrats do. When they win, they beat the other side down. Look what they're trying to do in Congress right now. They win, and they are trying to ram it through. And what they don't like is when people say, wait a second here now, come on. You gotta, we got to slow down on this a little bit. They want to beat the other side in submission. They want to win. And they've always done that. They don't want, I mean, they're not going to give Republicans participation trophies. They don't care. Republicans, though, see, when, when there's a situation where the Democrats and the left is losing, that's when they start talking about equity and fairness and all these things. It's got to be fair. It doesn't have to be fair. You lose. I mean, this is what the Democrats do. They believe it. They believe this. When you win, you win, and you, and you go for it. This is why the Republicans are the stupid party, because you have people like Bill Kristol. Ah, oh, well, we got to have pluralism. Pluralism. we we got to have all these differences. Disagreements are good. Productive. Productive. But right now, we agree on a fundamental point. We need to join together to defend liberal democracy, because liberal democracy itself is in serious danger. Liberal democracy depends on free and fair elections. There's that term fair. Fair elections. Not just free elections, but fair elections. What is a fair election? Respects for the rights of others, the rule of law, commitment to truth, and tolerance in our public discourse. All these things are now in serious danger. Well, why are they in danger? Well, they're going to tell you why they think they're in danger, but they're not in danger because of what they're saying. They're in danger because of the left. The left is always the group that's going to try to get rid of these things once they have the chance, once they get power, because they say, well, we don't want them saying anything. We don't want the deplorables out there voting. We don't want these people doing this stuff. We don't want people, we don't want the people that oppose us having any power whatsoever. Liberal democracy is in serious danger. How? How? How is it in serious danger? I mean, are people being turned away when they show up to vote? Are they saying, well, you can't vote unless they don't have an ID? Well, that would be something. I mean, look, I've had to show an ID to vote every time I voted for years, for years. And everybody, all these people show up. People vote. They go vote all day. doesn't mean there's all kinds of people there, men, women, all races, all kinds of people voting. I've been in a racially a diverse, what they would say, diverse voting district for years. All kinds of people show up to vote. And nobody's saying, you can't vote. Nobody's out there saying, you know what, you're this race or you're this person, you can't vote. In fact, everybody's very polite and cordial and say, yeah, go vote. Nobody, nobody says anything. You just got to show your ID. It's no big deal. 
And I know for a fact, I mean, in, in the polling places I was in, there's lots of people there weren't voting my way. In fact, hardly anybody ever votes the way I vote when I do vote. The primary source of this danger is one of our two major national parties, the Republican Party, which remains under the sway of Donald Trump and Trumpist authoritarianism. You see, it's not the left. No, 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 it's, it's Donald Trump. Well, we saw how this worked out in Virginia. Look, I will say this about McAuliffe. He, McAuliffe, he kept running around with Donald, Donald, I think it was Donald Trump. The left can't decide what to do. If Donald, Trump, Donald, if Donald Trump's not on the ballot, they're going to try to put him on the ballot, but people are, are sick of this. They're like, no, he's not on the ballot anymore. He's not running. I don't think it was Trump's message that got him defeated. It's not. It's Donald Trump himself. Donald Trump is polarizing. They don't like his attitude. They didn't like his mean tweeting. So according to the people at the bulwark and some of these nitwit professors, this is the problem in America. Not the left. No, 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 no. Not the left. The left isn't a problem. The left isn't totalitarian. The left doesn't advocate cancel culture. The left doesn't advocate any of that stuff. No, no, no. That's not a problem. But Donald Trump's a problem. Unimpeded by Trump's defeat in 2020 and unfazed by the January 6th insurrection. The insurrection of Grandma sitting down in the Capitol laughing and smiling for the camera. Right, I mean, that's a major insurrection, let me tell you. Trump and his supporters actively work to exploit anxieties and prejudices, to promote reckless hostility to the truth and to Americans who disagree with them and to discredit the very practice of free and fair elections in which winners and losers respect the peaceful transfer of power. Now, again, who is telling people to get in the face of people? This is where this stuff is so silly, and why when people read this and they know anything, they just roll their eyes and say, these people are morons. Because they are. So we, who have differed on so much in the past, and who continue to differ on much today, have come together to say... We vigorously oppose ongoing Republican efforts to change state election laws to limit voter participation. That's not what they're doing. This is, this is the gaslighting here. This is the LARPing. This is the 1950s, 60s. These people really still believe we're in the 1950s and 60s and people can't vote because of their race. People can't vote because of their sex. People can't do these things. And we're going to fight it. We're going to put on our 1950s clothes and we're going to go out there and fight it. I'm going to sit at the lunch counter. Go go ahead. Go sit at the lunch counter. No one's going to stop you. Go vote. Because you know what? I can guarantee you, if you have your ID, no one's going to stop you. No one's going to stop you. In fact, if you're in line and the polls close, as long as you're in line, the line can be four hours long. You're still going to be able to vote. You see, this is the thing. No one's going to stop you. But the LARPing, the stupidity of all of this, is the problem. And I think people are starting to see it. Now, not the idiots who will look at this and read this and say, Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, they're voting. They're stopping us from voting. Now, look at what the next paragraph. It's so funny to me. We vigorously oppose ongoing Republican efforts to empower state legislatures to override duly appointed election officials and interfere with the proper certification of election results. Okay, wait a second here. 
We vigorously oppose ongoing Republican efforts to empower state legislatures who are elected to override duly appointed election officials. So we want to ensure that the people that are elected don't interfere with the people that are appointed by somebody else who isn't elected to interfere with them. But we believe in democracy. The, 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 remember, the title of this is An Open Letter in Defense of Democracy. So we oppose democracy against bureaucracy. This is what they're actually saying. And, of course, nobody will, I mean, oh, yeah, 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 here we go, here we go. They don't even see the contradiction because they're so stupid. And, I, and look, I know people have said, why do you call people stupid? Because I call people what they are, stupid, when they're stupid. This is stupid. I had someone ask that in, in a comment. Why do you call Alan Gels? Why do you say that you know, James Oaks is a smart guy? You know, oh, because, I mean, James Oaks, I, I disagree with James Oaks. But I don't think he's stupid, and he's not a, he's not a pompous jerk. That's what Alan Gelzo is. Why do you call Alan Gelzo stupid? Because he's a pompous jerk. And Bill Crystal is a pompous jerk. And most of these people that do this kind of stuff are pompous jerks. And so they get called stupid. They continue thereby substituting their own political preferences for those expressed by citizens at the polls. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, no. The legislatures are charged in the Constitution with creating election law, not appointed election officials. Last time I checked, it doesn't say that the appointed election officials have the say over election laws, but the legislatures do, right? And by default, I mean, you could say, that, look, the governor has a role to sign or veto legislation. I know that Milheiser, and this is where I talked about last week, Milheiser, oh my gosh, if you take this to his logical conclusion, well, then governors can't even veto legislation. That's not true. That's not what it would mean. It's just mean that you can't appoint some doofus to go out there and say these are the election laws or some judge. These are the election laws. We vigorously oppose the relentless and unending promotion of unprofessional and phony election audits that waste public money, jeopardize public electoral data and voting machines, and generate paranoia about the legitimacy of elections. These are the same people that when Trump won, there were things being said, don't concede to Hillary Clinton. Don't concede. Don't concede. These are the same people that told Al Gore not to concede. These are the same people that told Stacey Abrams not to concede. Don't concede anything. Don't concede. Fight it. You got to fight it to the end. The whole impeachment process was about fighting Donald Trump's election to the very last, even after he left office. That was the whole point of all of that. It was to fight Donald Trump's legitimacy to the end. When they couldn't get it done another way, they were going to do it that way. We urge the Democratic-controlled Congress to pass effective national legislation to protect the vote in our elections and, if necessary, to override the Senate filibuster rule. <laughs> so here you go. Right? So we oppose Republicans but support the Democrats. Effective national legislation to protect the vote in our election. So wait a second. Now, this gets into this idea of the clause in the Constitution that allows the Congress to essentially uh, override state election laws. 
it's there, and I've talked about this on this podcast. If the if the founding generation, if the ratifiers believed that that particular part of the of the document would have been used the way that these people are talking about, the way the Democrats want, the Constitution never would have been ratified. This was a big issue. It was brought up a lot. Hey, wait a second here. You're saying the states control the elections, but you have this. And so the proponents of the document, and this is if you take my originalist papers class at McLean Academy, I talk about this. The proponents of the document said, well, wait, no, 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 no. We have to include that because if we don't, then the states could essentially not call federal elections and therefore there'll be no federal government. So we have to have the ability of the federal government to, to defend itself against the states at some point. But not so that it interferes with state election laws, just so it can continue. That's it. But the filibuster, right? I mean, this is, I, I did a nice, I did a long podcast about that and, you know, how uh, this is always pointed back to John C. Calhoun, but wait a second, not necessarily, not really at all, in fact. And we urge all responsible citizens who care about democracy, public officials, journalists, educators, activists, ordinary citizens to make the defense of democracy an urgent priority now. Now is the time for leaders in all walks of life, for citizens of all political backgrounds and persuasions to come to the aid of the republic. So says Todd Gitlin, professor of journalism, sociology, and communications at Columbia University. Jeffrey Isaac, James H. Rudy, professor of political science at Indiana University, and Bill Crystal, editor-at-large, The Bulwark. Now, of course, people like Max Boot signed this. <laughs> of course, Max Boot would sign it. And then there's others. Mona Sharon, who I've already talked about. Noam Chomonsky. I mean, okay. Uh, the, the, uh, the list here, I mean, there's, there's some pretty prominent professors and other people on this list. Uh, and... I mean, Sean Valence is on the wit on the list. You know, who's uh, Michael Tomaski is the editor of the New Republic. Never, Sean Valence has never been confused of being anything but a leftist, a rabid leftist. Uh, and there's others on here, but see, this is the thing: these people don't see the irony, the hypocrisy, in all the things that they do. They don't see it. They just don't see it. They can't see it. That's the real issue in all of this. And why I wanted to bring this up, because you should be able to see it. You should be able to see the hypocrisy. You should be able to see the stupidity in all this. And there are some major constitutional questions contained in this particular letter. And of course, I'm sure these people are all just spinning over. I mean, worried about the hand-wringing about the future of America because of a Virginia election. See, in real federalism, Virginia election only affects Virginia. And it really still does only affect Virginia. We can look at Virginia and say, well, is there some type of takeaway from this? In Virginia, yes. Uh, the same with the same thing. Does it work everywhere else? Are people everywhere else going to be persuaded by these things or not? I mean, is is is, is the uh, education issue going to be key in other states? I don't know. I mean, probably so, but we don't know that. These are Virginia circumstances for Virginia. But I can tell you this: you should be out there running for school board if you want to get involved. Running for city council if you want to get involved. Get involved in those things really affect change in your community because that's how you do it. That's how you do it. All right. That's where you make the world safer democracy when you do that. Those are the most democratic things you can do. I'll see you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.